Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to the Press Box. Now back to Frank Cusimano and Bob Ramsey on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Welcome back. Hollywood Casino Press Box, all new Five Night of the Fan. Frank Cusimano with you till 12. Bob on his way to Philadelphia. Jeff Gordon joins us now from SDL Today and the Post-Dispatch. Jeff, good to be with you. How are you, sir? Well, uh, Frank, I'm better than our uh, our Billikens and our Tigers on the basketball court, Frank. Oh, oh. I know we've never had a year where they both finished in last in the same place. But the thing about it is, I, look, the slew situation's a lot worse because there's no help on the way with a great recruiting class. But the Mizzou thing, I mean, you could go 2024 without a victory, which is just crazy to think about. Yeah, you know, the conference is, uh, it, it's just gotten so difficult because every single school has invested in, in basketball, you know, and even, even Vanderbilt, which is struggling, has a history of, of, of really good basketball and, you know, took a swing with Stackhouse and his NBA offense and, you know, his name uh, value and, and unfortunately didn't get the results. But everybody goes out and hires great coaches, you know, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Everybody wants in on it, right? And so it's just a different deal. And, you know, you can be a really good coach and, and get and get drilled. I mean, look at Bryce Drew, right? I mean, he's a good coach. Just got drilled in the SEC. Unfortunately, that's what's happened to Dennis Gates. Yeah, it seems, though, that everybody at Vandy, it never has like a happy ending, does it? No, it goes back a hundred years. Not a hundred years, but yeah, Kevin Stallings uh, had some success. Yeah, CM Newton style, but yeah, Eddie Fogler was okay for a while. But it's it's tough to sustain there because the academics are so tough. But you know, here's the thing too with Mizzou, Jeff. Even though they had this great recruiting class coming in, if if he doesn't like invade the portal and bring in three twenty three year olds with these guys, it's it's not going to be a day at the park even next year. No, man, the game has changed, man. You know, I, I look out and watch an Illinois play and, you know, look at their look at how mature that team is. You know, they tried going with young guards last year and both those guys are really good prospect and prospects, but it didn't work. So now he's got, you know, uh, Quincy Guerrier. He's got uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. He's like 23. He's got uh, Marcus Damas coming up from Carbondale. That's a mature team. You know, uh, he's, you know, it, so that's, uh, you know, Hawkins coming back for another year. I mean, that is an old team. And that's what basketball's become because, you know, if you're a borderline NBA prospect, you know, where you're not going to get guaranteed money um, and a guaranteed shot on the, the roster, stay in college, make some money, and, uh, you know, Enjoy the good life on campus. 
Yeah, and Patino said it the other day after his press conference after the uh, loss by St. John's to UConn that, let's face it, these are professional athletes now. And, you know, we all like the fact they're getting paid. But then he said he took one shot at the whole thing. He said, but it's impossible to build a team and build a culture. I mean, look at, like, Brad Underwood's going to have a wonderful year at Illinois. I think he's got a chance to make the Final Four. But, Brad, you better freaking be going to work as soon as that portal opens because you got not a whole lot coming back, I don't think. Yeah, right. He's just going to have to, you know, start all over. And really, college basketball is going to, unless there's a change to the to the you know to the current um, structure where maybe there's a little more sanity, uh, where there's you know, like contracts and such, where there are employees and there's some some structure to it where you can actually sign a guy to a two year contract or a three year contract as an employee. Um, yeah, everybody's going to reload every year. It's going to be very difficult to to build up. To your point about Missouri, yeah, they've got a lot of really good recruits coming in. Assuming that you know all the uh, all the people who are tampering with them aren't successful, but uh, you know it's just so hard year to year. It's just everybody's going to be year to year, and that's an insane way to have to coach. Now, if you look at it, Coach Cal was doing it when with the one and done guys. And, you know, Coach K did it to a degree with one-and-done guys, so it's, it's possible if you get the very best players to just keep doing it. But, boy, your system to get talent better be good. Yeah, like, you know, Cal's dealing with, you know, Devin Booker and Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Tyrese Maxey, all these guys averaging 25 in the NBA. You, you can do that. You can win with those <laughs> freshmen, but they have to be the top players in America. Yeah, and I think there's going to be hopefully there's going to be some mix so that fans can have a can go to a game, go to watch their team play and have some familiarity that they yeah some key recruits you know stay and and you know that from year to year there is some carryover so there is some sort of culture you know to you know Patino's point I mean it's very difficult when you're starting over from scratch with all new guys who you know do don't know what your expectations are you know you've they've, you've talked to them about it but they haven't lived it. Uh, and then Mizzou gets that added advantage of that infusion of cash, $12 million to the Tiger Fund. How about that? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, man, there are some, you know, maybe Missouri doesn't have the broadest fan base, but it's got its share of rich guys. Yes. I mean, my goodness. So, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, you got a great athletic director who does inspire confidence, and there are rich people out there, and they have some confidence in the athletic director, and it's a, uh, you know, I think an AD now should get paid an unbelievable amount of money if they can create an atmosphere where people are given that kind of coin. Jeff Gordon with us, Hollywood Casino Press Box, all new Five Night of the Fan. April 6th in St. Louis, the Battlehawks will play their first game in the UFL. We had Coach Anthony Becht on yesterday, and um, he thinks they're going to set the record. And you think about it, Jeff, they could have 40,000 in that dome. The game is being broadcast on ABC national television. I know there's a lot of people that don't even consider the Battle Hawks, but gosh, they are just, they, they can grab the attention. I think they're going to outdraw the Cardinals and Marlins that day. Well, it's interesting because, you know, when even when their league was in trouble, um, you know, the guys saw off to such a great start as a concept that people really got into it, enjoyed going back to the Dome, and just had fun with it. And yet, and they somehow kept that momentum, even when the league obviously did not, right? So now you've got a consolidated league. I think there's a chance that, you know, you were never going to make it with two leagues. That was, a, that was going to be a mess for everybody in the spring. Um, but, yeah, the fact that they survived was really down year. Now you come back with a consolidated league, um, you know, better resources, you hope. Uh, you got a coach that that gets it and uh, knows how to you know move products. So yeah, I, it is 
it is an amazing story. Uh, I'd like to give all the credit to Brian Stull, who helped beat that drum early <laughs> and, uh, and ho- loud and hard. Uh, and Stull, he did a good job. But, you know, St. Louis it just sort of took to it. And, and not just – initially it was just because they don't like the NFL. They're going to show the NFL. But I think they got into it. I think most people in St. Louis are kind of like – well, they still have some lingering bitterness towards the NFL, but it doesn't keep us from watching it. Dan Caesar had the great note that the third highest television rating for the Bills and Chiefs uh, were always in like in the top 10, top 15. And I'm, I know, Jeff, that uh, even though you may not love Roger Goodell or Stan Kroenke, you just can't help but watch the league, can you? Well, I mean, it's still the NFL, and that's the you know that's the tough part for everybody. And you know, a lot of people said I'll never watch it again, but you know, really, there's you know, with all the people who are playing fantasy football, and now with uh, you know, eventually we'll have sports wagering in the in in this state, but people, plenty of people are going over to Illinois. Uh, or live over there. So, um, you know, it just is still the NFL. And as much as people want to hold a grudge, you know, your, your weekend rolls around and you got these games on, and, you know, what else are you going to do? <laughs> what else are you going to watch, right? And what do you think? Um, I, I, I've said for like a week, there's no way anybody should ever, ever bet against Patrick Mahomes in the postseason. But with that said, 49ers are just a better team. I think they're going to win the game. I think Christian McCaffrey is going to go nuts, and I think they're going to find a way to win the game. How about yourself? Well, it's just that, you know, the one thing is uh, Mahomes is healthy, you know, and he's he's had to play at this level um, <laughs> in the big stage on one leg. He's healthy. Uh, that defense is better. Uh, you do, if you're a Chiefs fan, worry about their wide receivers still. Um, so that is a problem. But, yeah, it's uh, – and then it just comes down to you, you've got a very good team and a quarterback who's played very well, but you, the other quarterback's been in so many big games. Now, you know, Brock's been in the big games now, too, because he's gotten this, to the stage. So he, it's not like he's – you know, this is some kid out there. You know, you've had to win big games to get here. But, uh, you know, Mahomes has been through so much. If there's any chance at all for the Chiefs late, you know, the way this guy, is, this guy can play – uh, you got to like it. So I, it's a fascinating. You're right. The Niners are a better team, but Chiefs played pretty well uh, here later. I mean, early on, he had a lot of doubts about that team, but Andy Reid's done a real nice job of cleaning stuff, some stuff up, and maybe they'll be just a little bit healthier, too. The scary thing about Mahomes is that he's still the guy who um, who threw for 700 yards in a college game. He's still the guy who had a 50-touchdown year as a quarterback, but He's also a guy now that doesn't make silly mistakes. It's almost unfair that you can be that dynamic and yet that efficient. He hasn't had a turnover in the postseason. No, he's a, he's playing at a real high level, and I just think if the one the one negative is, and he still has some guys in that receiving core besides Kelsey who who knows where to go when when it's time to extend to play. What really made him so much so dangerous earlier in his career is he had guys who were wideouts who could improvise with him. So I'm still somewhat concerned about, you know, when he when he extends a play that there's I'm they're not as good at doing that as they were before, but um, you know, still the stuff he comes up with and you say the decision making, the poise, the compete all the the whole package. You know, obviously he's a super competitor, and he and the team believes in him. And, and just having him at quarterback is such a confidence thing for the Chiefs. I mean, it's just they know they go into any game. All right, we got a chance. We got this guy. Just like with Brady and some of the other great quarterbacks. You have the pulse of St. Louis. You've been here for a long time. What do you think of like St. Louis rooting for the Chiefs this weekend? What percentage do you think it is? Well, there's some fans for sure, and I, I see a fair amount out there. You know, wearing the colors and such. Um, 
I don't know that there's a, just such a gigantic rivalry with the two cities because they're so different. There really isn't much interaction, you know, in sports. Um, so I don't know that there's any sort of like, oh, I hate Kansas City. Uh, it'd be different if you're talking about, you know, gee, should we rally around a Chicago team? You know, <laughs> which is a bit of, there's a, some jealousy and rivalry between the two markets. I think a lot of St. Louisans feel like, ah, oh, Kansas City, nice little story down the road there. The Chiefs doing a heck of a job, that little nice little market, you know. Good for them. So I don't know that there's a lot of, uh, you know, negativity towards Kansas City. So, yeah, I think you're going to have to pick for, cheer, cheer for one of these teams. You know, and you remember how the Rams and the Giants, the, uh, the 49ers were such horrible, um, you know, combatants and such bitter rivals over the years, and that even passed the St. Louis. i got to think a lot of people are on the uh, KC side. You know what's amazing, too, is that Steve Spagnuolo, who was 11-41 and 41 as a head coach here in St. Louis, and could be, you know, one of the five best defensive coordinators of all time. But because of his age and that record, I don't know if he's ever going to be considered for a head coaching job, which is ideal for Andy Reid. You can keep your coordinator and have a great one and not worry about him leaving. But um, I, I don't know if, if he'll get another shot to be head coach, do you think? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, it, it didn't go well at all here. And, you know, he just trying to make the jump to that level. He had a hard time dealing with people, uh, staff, uh, everything, you know, just, he, he was a bit of a control freak trying to run a whole organization. And, uh, and really it, obviously one, it didn't go well, uh, with the wins and losses to say the least, but two, he just, I think he, you know, I think the word that got out that he just really just overall just didn't handle the whole situation. Well, now he's a much more mature coach. He's watched, he's worked under other coaches. He's, he's, watched what they've done uh he obviously matured uh even more as a leader and such so you know he might get a chance but um it just went so badly to your point right and it, sometimes uh you know like go back to smiley uh, josh mcdaniel get another chance but it, it you know he finally did after having a horrible first go but it didn't work out so well either yeah and i know there's coaches out there like George Seifert and even Mike Shanahan who won multiple Super Bowls who are not in the Hall of Fame but every once in a while you'll get uh, some people talking about hey you need to put assistant coaches in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I mean when Marty Schottenheimer's not in there and Dan Reeves is not in there I don't think we're going to be going to that assistant coaching you know pull in the near, in the near pool in the near future. No and it's a shame too because the game got you know a great specialist, a great coordinator. Um, it just, I mean, those those true, the true great ones. I mean, it's just um, it's arguably as or more important than the head coach, you know. And where you create these legendary, you know, uh, like Buddy Ryan wasn't much of a, a head coach, but boy, may have created the greatest defense of all time. Yeah, <laughs> just Good. those guys played with such attitude. So that was a great example. All right, we're going to get into hockey heavy with Strick here in a moment, but I do want to get your thoughts since you cover it and um, follow it closely. You had that five-in-a-row streak, and then right before the break, you laid an egg against Columbus. Uh, what, what's your take on the Blues at this point? And I know before, I think you said you didn't think they were going to make the postseason. Anything change under this new coach? Yeah, I think they're playing much better. There's no question about it. But I think the uh, the challenge is, and I'm sure Strick will talk about it, is – they're still doing two things at the same time. They're, they're trying to stay in the chase, but they also know they've got a bigger job ahead to try to, you know, build a, a better team around their their younger core guys. So as they get closer to the trade deadline, other teams are definitely going to be looking to add to make sure that they get in the bracket. And you know, I think the 
the Blues might add and subtract. I think they would very much like to move out a few veterans who are making quite a bit of money and try to create additional cap space for next year. But I do think they wouldn't mind adding somebody who's more of a prime age player who could fit in with Thomas and Cairo, you know, a, a Chikrin, if that that always comes back, that his name always comes up because he's going to be in that 26, 27 age bracket, and that defense needs a player like that. So, you know, I think they could be looking to buy and sell at the same time where some of these other teams – you're seeing Calgary pull the shoot, but you know. So let's see what what Nashville does, which direction. And I expect Minnesota to sell. Um, Seattle might add because Seattle was in in the chase last year, wants to be back in the chase. So there's just the the motivation among those teams who are fighting for those last two playoff spots are really going to vary. And really, the Blues are just kind of playing it halfway. I think right now, just waiting to see which way it goes. Um, I'm sure Doug wouldn't mind adding somebody, particularly in the prime age, if it could help the team now and in the future. But you know, realistically, he's he's got to look down the road, too. All right. Uh, quick cardinal thought. Uh, I think if you look at most of the power rankings, they're anywhere from like 14 to like 18. It seems like the, the, most of the National League Central or part of the National League Central is in that group. Nobody's higher. Uh, if you, Would you bet they win the Central? No, I, I think the Cubs can still go, you know, not to sound like my, my boy uh, Ben Hock there at the post. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, you just look for them to, to to sign Bellinger if, you know, that was something we waited for or, or you know, something like that. Just make one more big play. That was the start of spirit free agency. Everybody pointed to that. Well, they'll do one. They've got so much money. i got to think at some point they're going to spend that money on, on somebody, right? So. Um, and that's the problem where the Cardinals are like, okay, we've reached our limit payroll wise. You're going to look for during the season, they'll look to upgrade if they need to, but Chicago has still got the ability to go out and, and do some things. And so I think that's the biggest problem for St. Louis. You know, Milwaukee's not spending, uh, Cincinnati will be better, but you worry about their pitching. If you're a Reds fan, Pittsburgh is just not going to spend money. Um, so yeah, I think they're going to be in the chase, but yeah, winning it now, I, I, I think they're kind of handcuffed by this, uh, salary cap that the Wits put on it, and uh, unless all of these young guys take a giant step, which is possible, um, then they're just going to continue just to be in the chase. Yeah, that um, these young guys making that step, I don't really include Win in it because he's so young, but I remember being at the winter warm-up, and sometimes when you're around people, it kind of influences the way you feel about the club, but back to back to back, they put Jordan Walker, uh, Brendan Donovan, and Nolan Gorman on the podium. And just, you know, hearing about their offseason and seeing them and, you know, Donovan is definitely healthy. Those three really have a chance to have dynamic offensive seasons. And that's that's the way you end up winning this division is if Nolan Gorman hits 35 home runs, that Jordan Walker goes 25 and 90 with 20 stolen bases and hitting close to 300, and Brendan Donovan has one of those 380 on-base percentage years. I mean, you add those three with the big two, and you got Wilson Contreras, who's a really good offensive player. It really could be a good offense. No, it could, and then don't forget Newt Park can still take yeah. a step. We'll see if, he, if he's got it in him. I think we've all kind of given up on Dylan Carlson becoming a special player. But, yeah, what you like about these guys, and I'll put Wynn in the category, we don't know if he'll hit well enough this year to be an impact player, but he's got some swagger to him, and yeah. he's got a work ethic. And same with Walker. These guys are confident young men. They want to succeed. They've worked their butt off. They've progressed quickly. They, you know, you've been around sports your whole life. You can sense with some guys that they're just different. 
and you sense with particularly Walker and Wynn that they're different. And you know, uh, not to pick on, let's say Tyler O'Neill or somebody who who frustrated you in the past. If you're a, a fan, these guys are just different. Yeah, and, and Walker with that ten pounds, he's six six, two hundred and sixty pounds. What what professional baseball player? What major leaguer? In fact, Cole, you may want to check this. Who's ever been six six, two sixty? I mean, Jason Hayward wasn't that big. Frank Howard was pretty big, six seven, maybe two forty five. I don't know, but he's six six, two sixty. That's not fat, you know. I mean, that's yeah. No, I think athletically, this is, and he can still move well. So yeah. maybe we're talking about a Dave Winfield type. That's just you know, there's been some big guys that have played, but Winfield could move too. And I think as long as he doesn't uh, slow down too much and keeps his uh, you know keeps his wheels, you know, just a beast for sure. And he's going to get he, he got so much better in the outfield last year as the year went on, and I would expect that to continue. All right, what do we have coming up in the uh, post dispatch and STL today? What do you have your eye on in the near future? Well, we're going to be taping a Netfront Presence podcast today with uh, Matthew DeFranks as we look forward to the uh, stretch run. So we'll be talking about a lot of the stuff that you and Strick are going to talk about with this team in the, the Western Conference. Jeff, we greatly appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Take care, Frank. All right. That is Jeff Gordon, one of the best in the business from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Got a good one here. Frank Thomas. Height oh, and weight, yeah. six five two seventy five. Oh but, yeah, but but athletic we, though. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I mean, he did play tight end at Auburn, um, but that's that's pretty good. Oh, I didn't realize he played tight end at Auburn. Did he I play tight end at Auburn? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, uh, I was looking up Stanton. He's listed as six six two forty five. It depends on the source, I guess. Um, you know, here's here's one, Dave Winfield. I don't think he was 260. No way. No, he was skinny, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was. 6'6", 220. Yeah. 6'6", 260. What about CeCe maybe? Wait a minute. CeCe Sabathia is 300, right? Oh, yeah. 6'6", yeah. 300, there you yeah, go. Yeah, but is that athletic, though? That's Wait a minute, hold on a second. That's, gonna, that's where it's going to be hard to find this okay. the athletic part. I'm about 90% certain. Maybe a media member can help me out. It, it, it says Walker 6'6", 250, but I think that's from last year. I don't think that's the updated thing when he came to um, – in fact, maybe if Mike Claiborne's listening, I think he put on the 10 pounds after 250. And it's, he didn't put on – like when I'm talking about 10 pounds, all muscle. I, I, I think that was the story from winter warm-up that he last year played at 250 – and now is it 259, 260? Yeah, I'm saying 6'6 six, six and roughly 260 Yeah, at winter warm-ups. That's where he was at, his measurements. Gosh, that's just crazy. That's LeBron. That's LeBron out there playing baseball. It is. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to give a hockey one. What is Colton Pareko, height and weight? 6'5", 230. 6'6", 230. Jeez. Yeah. So if the Blues need any help on the defense, call up Jordan Walker. <laughs> Yes, that's a great call. All right, let's take a short time out. When we come back, we'll talk a little hockey and Colton Pareko with our friend, Andy Strickland.